0: Hello, friend. It is a decently quiet week astrologically. Not many major shifts happening this week. We do have a couple things of note, and next week is a full moon. So I figured this week for the podcast, I'd go ahead and talk about your June outlook. So, as usual with the monthly outlooks, we will cover all the major events happening, shifts happening over the course of the month of June 2023, and then talk about. Other important notes, overall energies, things to be on the lookout for, what it's a good month for, bad month for, and then as always, your yoga practices and journal prompts for the overall astrological weather because that's what a Yogi Scopes is. You are listening to the Yogi Scopes podcast. I'd like to give you a nice warm welcome or welcome back if you're not new here. I'm your host, Rosemary Holbrook, and I'm a Vedic sidereal astrologer. Yoga teacher, almost a yoga therapist. That's a really hefty certification. I can't wait until I can just say that. I'm a yoga therapist. Um, I do therapeutic yoga. That's my jam. Um, big part of my personal karma, trauma-informed therapeutic yoga, and building that around Vedic astrology has been super fun and enlightening and helpful on that front. So that's what this podcast is all about. Therapeutic yoga practices for the current astrological weather, and we're going to talk about what's going down in June. So, first of all, um, on so it's not quite June yet, it's May 24th as I'm recording this. Um, we have a couple things of note before we get to June. The last couple things in May is on the 27th of May, Jupiter and Rahu will exactly conjoin around 9:27 a.m. Eastern time. So I use Eastern standard time like New York time zone. That's where I live. So you can always convert that into your own time zone. Anyway, this Saturday around 9 a.m. Eastern 9 27 specifically is when Jupiter and Rahu will exactly conjoin in the sign of Aries. So I did a whole other episode about Jupiter and Aries. You could tune into The Eclipse episode to hear more about Rahu and Aries, Um, but just just a quick note on that before we get into June because it is a pretty big deal. Um, So Jupiter and Rahu together in a sign forms a yoga or a combination known as Guru Chandal Yoga, and there's a lot of like sounds scary. I always tell my students like just don't go googling stuff, or if you do like use a critical eye because there's a lot of stuff out there on the great. World Wide Web. That sounds way more scary than it has to be. Um, anyway, Guru Chandal Yoga is a yogas. Mean combinations. You, as you may know, that yoga means yoke or union. Um, so, in a Vedic astrology sense, yogas are unions of the planets in certain configurations. And one of them, one of the many many yogas possible yogas there are, is Guru Chandal Yoga when Jupiter and Rahu are together in a sign. And so it is important to know that they will be together in this sign. They, they moved, Jupiter moved into Aries with Rahu about a month ago. It was April 21st, I believe was the exact, exact day that Jupiter moved there. Um, it was in April. So it's been there about a month and it will be, they will be together forming this Guru Chandal yoga until October 30th with which is when Rahu moves on. But, as I mentioned, probably on the April Outlook episode, I know I mentioned it before, um, or maybe when I was talking about the Jupiter and Aries episode, um, this is when it the energy sort of comes to a head. And after this day, um, it will be really like stepping forth into a new cycle. Like, both planets are starting new cycles because... Aries is the first sign of the Zodiac, and Rahu and Ketu move backwards. They're technically like always in retrograde, and Jupiter moves forward through the Zodiac. So when it moves from Pisces to Aries, that is a new cycle for Jupiter. When Rahu moves from Aries to Pisces, that will be a new cycle for Rahu. And so this conjunction point for the two planets is like stepping through a new cycle related to whatever energies you're working with in your, in the Aries area of your chart, like especially these eclipses, whatever you are working with for the eclipses that just passed, this Saturday and beyond, um, May 27th and beyond, might be a time where you really see... Um, things shifting, things being put into action related to whatever you might have been working with there. So that's the thing. If you're here listening to astrology, you are probably living a way more intentional life than people who don't pay attention to astrology um, and might be kind of like pushed around by the karmas. But the fact that you're here having it in your awareness and paying attention and trying to be intentional about it means that I don't think for any of you, it's going to be that bad necessarily. I think it will only be a good and intentional thing. Um, so just quickly in a nutshell, if you don't want to revisit the Jupiter and Aries episode where I talked about this more in depth, a guru chandal yoga. So Jupiter is guru. Um, Rahu represents this like insatiability and sometimes like addictive qualities or Um, Rahu is a head without a body. So the archetype of Rahu is very much like consuming, taking in all of the sensory information with no way to digest that information. And guru, Jupiter, the teacher, a guru, um, could be sort of like the one to digest the information for you. So that's often helpful. The themes of the Guru Chandal Yoga are... Are you digesting the information, the knowledge that you're taking in? And the fact that Jupiter or this conjunction in general is happening in Aries has to do with um, birthing new things, new cycles. Um, And can you sort of digest all of the knowledge and information you've taken in at least over eclipse season over the past year or so that Rahu's been in Aries over maybe perhaps your whole life and digest that and move forward to birth this new creation. And so for me, like what I've been working with that is the astrology for yogis course. Again, I will say more about at the end because I don't want to like bore you about it. If you're not interested, if you're on my email list, you've been getting the emails about it. Um, but so the, the enrollments close, tomorrow, Thursday at midnight Eastern time, because we have our orientation on Friday. And so this, um, serendipitously intentionally fell around the peak of this Guru Chandal Jupiter Rahu conjunction, because this is my way of digesting all of the knowledge and, and seeking I've ever done into something that's useful for the world. So Stick around to the end if you want to hear more about the Astrology for Yogi's course to become a trauma-informed Vedic astrologer, but just know that this Saturday will be a good time to move forward and set things into motion and digest knowledge in your own way, whether that's with the help of a teacher or not. Um, And so last thing about May before I get into June is that on May 30th, Venus will enter Cancer. And so I figured... I'd cover that on the June episode anyway. So I briefly touched on it on the May Outlook episode. But the thing is, it's happening on like nearly the last day of the month. And until June 30th, which is when Mars moves out of Cancer and into Leo, the entire month from May 30th to June 30th, Venus and Mars will be together in Cancer. So of course, I will talk more about what that means in a moment. Um, Basically, there is this feminine, masculine balancing thing going on in the sign of cancer, which has to do with nurturing, um, your home, your inner peace, that kind of stuff. So can you consider balancing the feminine and masculine there, but also be very wary of challenging emotions that are coming up during this time and be wary of how you express them. It will be a good time to get in touch with those emotions and perhaps with your boundaries around, um, around protecting your inner peace and how you express those, especially with your closest relationships, especially intimate partner relationships. Um, because cancer has a lot to do with, with boundaries. If you think about the crab sort of archetype, um, And so we'll talk more about that with the journal prompts at the end, because one of the journal prompts is specifically about this uh, Venus and Mars conjunction in Cancer. Um, So without further ado, let's jump into what is happening astrologically in June. And just FYI, I always rattle off the dates because some people want them. If you want to write it down, you can. If not, just zone out for a minute, whatever, it's fine. Or you can also get the 2023 planner and have all the rest of the days for the rest of the year with themes and and worksheets and all kinds of other fun stuff. You can go to yogiscopes.com slash 2023 if you want it done for you with themes and and intention-setting exercises. So here we go, June 2023. We start off with May 30th, Venus enters Cancer, and May 27th, the exact conjunction of Jupiter and Rahu. Those are important things. On The first thing happening in June is Sunday, June 3rd, we will have a full moon in Scorpio. And as always, the, the moons get their own episodes because I just think they're important. The we'll, Next week, we'll talk about the full moon in Scorpio more in depth. So that's all I'll say about that now. On Wednesday, June 7th, Mercury enters Taurus. And this is um, late for Mercury because it did spend a lot of time retrograding through Aries. So usually in a normal year, it's been in Taurus by now, by this point in the year, but, um, it's a little behind. It's got some catching up to do. It will enter Gemini later in the month. And we'll talk about what that means. Of course, on June 15th, the sun will enter Gemini. So again, that's the sidereal system. If you're new to sidereal astrology, um, check out, I have an article on my website about it. I think actually you can go to the show notes and, um, just find my website, yogiscopes.com. You can also, like, if you're listening on Apple, you can find, it'll say, like, podcast website and click on articles and you'll be be taken there. Anyway, the sun doesn't enter Gemini. I already heard the Western astrologers talking about Gemini season. But the sun doesn't enter Gemini until June 15th, which is a Thursday. Um, And then a couple days after that, on Saturday, June 17th, Saturn goes retrograde in Aquarius. So this happens every year. Of course, I'll talk about it um, briefly in this episode and it will probably get its own episode because that's also important that's one of the major themes of june is entering retrograde season we already had mercury retrograde for the spring and sometimes mercury retrograde overlaps with the other major retrogrades of the year but anyway june kicks it off for us even though mercury is already direct um and then after that right after saturn goes Retrograde, on Sunday, June 18th, we have a new moon in Gemini. We'll talk about that on its own episode. And then on Saturday, June 24th, um, Mercury enters Gemini. And also worth noting, on June 21st, I don't always talk about nakshatras for the planets other than the moon because they don't honestly matter as much. And, And I see folks getting into the weeds talking about the nakshatras for all of the planets. Um, other than the moon, but Jupiter does change nakshatras to Barney on June 21st, which is the summer solstice. If you're here in the Northern Hemisphere, it's also the winter solstice. If you're in the Southern Hemisphere, um, the shortest and or longest day of the year, depending on where you are. Um, and it's been dubbed by somebody, the modern day Hallmark people or whatever, uh, as International Yoga Day. I don't know who decided that, but it's a thing. So, um... We'll talk more about that in a moment, but that is worth noting that Jupiter changes nakshatras to a nakshatra that has deep connections to femininity and birth and sort of birthing new things. So if you were to um, want to birth something new and especially related to whatever the Aries area of your chart is, um, which if you don't know, you can get the birth chart decoder so you can start knowing how to look at that and understand it. Um, When you go to my website, it'll be at the bottom of the chart calculator page or it pops up on almost any page, which is annoying, but also helpful if you don't have it because it's a helpful thing to have. Um, So anyway, if you want to birth something new in the Aries area of your chart, especially when Jupiter moves to Barney on the summer solstice, or especially those of you that are in the northern hemisphere, for those of you that it is the summer solstice for... June 21st, it would be a good time to be, like, bringing that into fruition um, around then, around June 21st, or starting then. Um, And then after that, at the end of the month, I already mentioned, Friday, June 30th, Mars enters Leo, and the same day, Neptune goes retrograde in Pisces. So there you go. That's what's happening, and let's talk now about the other, like, important points and overall energies for the month so first important point i already started sort of touched on this venus will be conjoined with mars and cancer pretty much the entire month and you know actually yeah the entire month because june is one of the months with only 30 days so um for the entirety of june and from may 30th to june 30th venus will be conjoined with mars which is fine like it's not i'm not trying to say it's a bad thing or something you need to worry about Um, but I do think emotions will run high and I do think it's also, um, a good time to consider your boundaries, especially around whatever you might be creating or putting into the world. Um, because that's Venus a lot, like whatever you're creating or putting into the world, your creative expression. Um, and then Mars, same thing. Mars has connections to like your motivation and your drive. And if you feel like you are, suffering motivation wise, if your motivation and drive is suffering, perhaps you need better boundaries around, um, things that will protect your willpower to, to put what it is in the world that you want to put in the world. And also if you are experiencing big emotions around those things, that's another time when it's a good time to examine your boundaries because, um, so this is something Brene Brown talks about a lot um and gosh, I miss her podcast anyway um she talks about how envy is not a function of like anger um or it's like not what you would think anger or envy is not um so much wanting what the other person has it's more about resentment it comes from resentment for like you could probably have that if you know to some degree sometimes there's like more nuance involved like privilege whatever but most of the time we don't feel jealous of somebody or envy towards somebody or resentment towards somebody that's what it is that Brene brown talks about Resentment is a function of envy. So if you feel yourself experiencing anger or resentment towards somebody, it's probably because you envy them for something. And sometimes, like, so way overly, like, personal example, but this is, you might be able to resonate with this. When perhaps my husband is, like, chilling and I'm, like, doing chores or something and I'm, like, mad at him for chilling while I'm doing chores, That doesn't have anything to do with the balance of labor in our household. It might be in your household that it does, but in our house it doesn't because there are plenty of times that my husband's doing chores when I'm chilling, right? So it just so happens that sometimes I might be grumpy because I'm doing chores and my husband is chilling, right? And if I am grumpy about it, I have to realize that it's not the fact that he's chilling that's making me mad. It's the fact that I'm tired and I want to be chilling right? too, And so it has more to do with like my internal experience. So that's an example of like what I'm trying to talk about here. If you feel yourself getting mad, you know, most of the time it's, or like also with that envy thing separate, but similar and related to this energy. If you envy somebody, so if you resent somebody, it might be because you envy them. Like if I resent my husband because he's chilling while I'm doing chores, it might be because, I wish I could be chilling, but I have to do my chores. But there are plenty of times, like just FYI, that he's doing chores and I'm chilling. And so I don't know if he has an ex- internal experience of of grumpiness. He certainly doesn't express it um, if he does. But but if you do in your situation, you might examine if it's a imbalance of, of labor or if it's like, a, are you getting your needs met? Are you advocating for yourself so that... You have those times to chill. If you're not, if you don't, then definitely, certainly make advocate, you know, advocate for yourself. But so anyway, what I'm saying is this: Venus and Mars conjunction in Cancer. Gender roles around the home are a thing. Are are a part of that energy. Um, masculine, feminine balance within yourself, and how that masculine, feminine uh, balance within you contributes to your sense of inner peace or not. Um, so all these things are top of mind while Venus and Mars will be conjunct conjunct conjoined in cancer. And so I hope I hope that made sense. And I hope also just last thing I want to say about that is like cancer is all about boundaries. Mars might give you the drive to want to protect your inner peace. Just be careful if you do have big emotions being brought up. Um I always like to recommend folks follow the Gottman method, which is um when situation, whatever situation, like when blank situation happens, I feel whatever emotion um, and this is what I need. And it's like a you express like a positive need, not like I need you to stop doing that. That's not how you should express the need. So you can look more into the Gottmans, but basically it's like, um, I don't know, to use the example I just did, um, when... I see you chilling while I'm doing chores. I feel resentful that you have time to chill and I don't. um, And I need more time to chill. So what can we do together to figure out how I can have more time to chill? That's not, I don't know. I have time to chill in my life. So, you know, apply the example to your life. But if you don't, if you find yourself not having time to chill and you're resentful about it, then maybe explore the boundaries. But, The important part here, especially with the Venus and Mars conjunction, because you might be feeling heightened emotions and, and like fighting about it because that's the Mars energy. The Venus energy is heightening your emotions. The Mars energy is making you want to fight about it. Um, Can you explore it within that Gottman framework of what's the situation and what do you feel? And remember, feelings aren't verbs. You don't feel attacked, right? That's, that's like saying, Instead of saying if, like what feeling do you feel if you feel attacked? Like if you find that the feeling you're coming up with is a verb, go a layer deeper and and find what the feeling is when that verb happens because the verb is more than likely more related to the situation than the feeling. That's all I will say about that. That's enough about so. But if you want to explore it more, like I'm here for you um, and, Next important point is that this is the major start of retrograde season. So we have Saturn going retrograde this month, which is sort of a big deal. It also happens every year for like four or five months, and it usually happens in the summer. And so that contributes to what I've kind of been alluding to for the past couple of episodes. Like um, there's a couple reggae songs I can think of, like Summertime, Loon's Easy, um, the Sublime song. Or there's a, I want to say it's stick figure, summertime's coming and it's about to slow down because it's pitta season in summertime, which means we often like do more stuff or we're awake more, um, feel a little more fiery and that's good. It's good to, if there ever was a time of year to overwhelm yourself, it's summertime. It's when the days are longer, um, and you can let some stuff fall away in the fall. But also it's always retrograde season. It coincides with retrograde season of these slower moving planets, like for example, um, Saturn and Neptune are going retrograde this month. And the good news is Venus goes retrograde in July, I've been mentioning that, and it will spend the majority of its retrograde time through Cancer, so that's why it's extra important to pay attention to the Cancer area of your house, of your chart, the the house that Cancer governs over. Um, Get your birth chart decoder if you're not sure, it will help you figure that out. but then cancer or venus will go retrograde there and the, luckily the day that venus goes direct the very next day is when jupiter goes retrograde but saturn will still be retrograde so at least those those major retrogrades don't overlap sorry i just bumped the microphone i hope that wasn't loud um talking with my hands and yeah but it's the start of retrograde season which means some energies get stronger. If you're experiencing a challenge related to whatever that energy is, um, you might work with it. You might really spend a little time with that so that it feels less challenging. But also, so Saturn is your habits, your routines, your structures in your life. And so it might be that once Saturn goes retrograde, it's really hard to be on routine. And that's normal for summertime. So that's actually Um, one of the concerns I've heard, like questions I've heard from folks with wanting to join the astrology for yogis course is like, Oh, I have all these commitments like summertime. And you know, I considered that when I was deciding whether or not to, to start the founders round right now, because I have a a lot of commitments in the summertime too. Like I get it. I know everybody's busy. We have got stuff. We want to be out in the sun, whatever. Um, and we have regular life stuff and vacations and things and just everybody's got stuff. The kids are out, whatever Um, I decided to go ahead and run it because of this guru Chandal yoga, because a lot of the other energies like Mars being debilitated is a good time to go more internal and do study. And for me, it felt like a time to like really create the course. So if you want to participate in a more, um, like sort of polished version, the, um, curriculum will be more finalized. By the second iteration, that will start in the fall. That's also like I've already chosen a pretty astrologically significant date. It'll be mid to late September um, when sign when enrollment will open, and we'll actually start in late September, October um, with the course. So you can join the second round, but the founders round is going to be um, special and better for a lot of reasons I think um if you have the capacity to join now but anyway it's like I know this I know astrologically people will be getting off routine people will have a hard time um you know maybe making the commitment right now because maybe you're looking at your calendar and you know that especially come mid-June some shit's gonna go down and it's gonna be hard for you to be on track whatever that's Saturn retrograde and you know one of the like best ways to combat that is to stay in touch with the teacher. That's one, one way, but I don't have to be the teacher. Um, it could be that you stay, try to stay on your regular yoga routine, like going to classes. I don't know. Um, just FYI, I'm still going to get to more details about the astrology for yogis cause I don't want to bore the folks not here, but then last important point. That's a good point. It like the other one sounded a little more challenging, um, this one's a good one. Mercury is in its own sign for the good majority of the month, I think. Actually, not really. Um, so Mercury will be in Taurus, and that's that's fine. I don't have a whole lot to say about Mercury in Taurus. I think like grounded communication, kind of. But when Mercury moves into Gemini, um, that's its own sign. So, like Mercury rules over Gemini. So, um, communication will be a little more supported. So especially if some stuff is coming up to you related to this Mars and and Venus thing and cancer, especially after the 24th, it might get a little easier to communicate about that. Um, Yeah. And then we have the Venus retrograde coming up. Anyway, that leads us into what it's a good month for. It's a bad month for and your yoga practices and journal prompts. So it's a really good month for uh, being grounded in routine Um, And reviewing your structures and routines in your life. So, if there was ever a time to, like, start a new routine, really it's, you know, kind of before Saturn goes retrograde. So that once Saturn is retrograde, if you have routines that are, like, really not working for you, maybe they're routines that you've, like, fallen into by default, like a nightly binge watch or scroll session, like, that kind of stuff might start to present more problems when Saturn goes retrograde. So anyway, it's a good month for um, reviewing your routines and choosing routines that will support your big overall vision, choosing habits that will support you on taking small steps every day towards whatever that big overall vision is for your life. Um, And just keeping that at the forefront of your mind because especially after Neptune goes retrograde, which isn't until the last day of the month, but especially after then, you might feel confused or um, whatever about your big picture dream. So keep that in mind early in the month, review how your habits are leading you to that, especially before about the 21st when Jupiter changes nakshatras. um, And especially the 24th or 17th or whenever it is 17th, I already forgot. This is why you should get the planner um, of when Saturn goes retrograde. And then it's a bad month for shiny object syndrome because so, The the air and fire energy are high this month. Um, Especially with all the planets entering Gemini. That's an air sign. Saturn going retrograde in an air sign. Saturn is the planet of air of value. It is a lot of air energy. So just be on the lookout for that. Um, So shiny object syndrome. Especially once um, towards the end of the month. Shiny object syndrome might be top of mind. So... Be patient. Be grounded. Stay hydrated, and try to finish what you start. So your yoga practices are um, number one: tratak. If you like to try um, the gazing type of meditation, so common one is candle gazing meditation. Um, or you could gaze at really anything, like pick a drishti, pick a focus. Maybe even pick a drishti or a focus o- more overarching for the month. But you could also practice some gazing at something. Candle flame is a really common one. Um, Meditation or yantra. You could gaze at a yantra. um, Things like that. um, Based on whatever whatever you might have coming up. And so along with that is dharana, single pointed focus. Can you pick a focus all month and focus on it? And so dharana requires pratyahara. That's the limb before it in the eight limbs of yoga, sense withdrawal. So two focus on something, you sort of have to put blinders on and withdraw your senses from all the other stimulation. If you want to protect yourself from this shiny object syndrome and just put your heads down and focus on one thing. Um, And then so in an asana sense, Gemini rules over the neck, shoulders, arms, and hands. So fourth chakra work, neck and shoulders type stuff, super indicated for Gemini. And then, like I said, air and fire energies are high. So can you cultivate grounding and maybe even tap into the water element to sort of balance those out? So your journal prompts, what structures or routines do you need to review to stay on track with your vision? How are your habits serving your overall vision? Number two, what knowledge are you currently taking in and how can you better digest it? So that has to do with this guru Chandal yoga what would help you better digest all of the knowledge you're taking in so stick around for the astrology for yogis thing because that's the thing there's all there's all the information about vedic astrology is out there and most folks until they have a teacher help them digest it myself included um just feel like they're lost i'm swimming in a sea of all this information so that's what the course is designed to help with and then um, what new things are you birthing in your life and how can you create boundaries that can sort of ease any maybe negative emotions you might be experiencing uh, around creating the space to nurture those creations? So now I'm wondering if one of the creations or manifestations that you want to bring into your life in the month of June, over the course of this summer, is to become a Vedic astrologer. And if it is, stick around because I'm going to answer a few common questions that I've gotten about the program um, and just uh, say a few other little details. Otherwise, if you're like, I know that's not right for me at this time, then as, I'll, as I always say, remember to keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars, and stay in the light. Until next time, please continue studying Vedic astrology in whatever way feels supportive to you. But if you feel ready to sort of take on the title of being a Vedic astrologer, maybe that feels like a really big sort of like identity shift or like a big undertaking. It is a big undertaking, which is why this Astrology for Yogis is a big course. So at the end of the course, you will be certified as what I call a trauma-informed Vedic Astrologer, because what sort of sets this program apart from other maybe Vedic Astrology courses is I have a deep background in trauma work and trauma-informed yoga, so that will be threaded throughout, is how to understand astrology for yourself. So you could take this course purely for self-study, just to understand astrology way more in depth, to understand your chart, because several of the activities that we will do throughout the course, will be using your own chart as your best case study, um, for learning astrology. And, um, you will be certified as a Vedic astrologer to you could give readings, right, if you wanted to. You could also, you know, do what I do here, like understand, give people yoga remedies. So, so if you might notice, maybe you study Vedic astrology, you know, through the internet or books or like other teachers, whatever. Um, and you might notice the remedies given often for Vedic astrology is things like mantras. Or um, I even had somebody come and join the first round of the... Mercury retrograde meditation challenge, and this person had been assigned by an astrologer all these, like, Jupiter mantras for her Jupiter, and I just kind of remember this person reflecting that she didn't really understand the mantra, it was, like, hard to stick to, um, and this person was from Australia, so I hope I'm, I'm not, like, giving away your identity too much. It's just to say that I have experienced that myself and a lot of other people um, in the West in US and Australia don't necessarily resonate with the remedies given by um, a lot of traditional Vedic astrologers. And so I have been examining like what's my place in that to um, teach this subject that I love in a way that's not culturally appropriative. but I actually was just reading a thread earlier about somebody who didn't resonate with the remedies. So what I've found is that, um through my work with yoga therapy and stuff is that people in the west especially and probably Indians too honestly because it was an indian saying i've been doing all these mantras and nothing's working um is like yoga practices as in asana like the things that i mention on the every podcast episode when i say your yoga practices and journal prompts but then other things like like considering the limbs like Dharna, like single pointed focus, considering the limbs of yoga, breath work techniques, pranayama, um, meditation techniques, that kind of stuff will be threaded throughout as practices that you're doing so that you can understand where they come from so that you can. And this is another thing is that even if you're not a yoga teacher in this astrology for yogis course, if you are a person that resonates enough with yoga to want to learn Vedic astrology over like Western astrology, for example, then you'll super resonate with the way astrology is taught in this course. And if you are a teacher, it will just empower your teaching. So that's to answer the sort of question um, that I got that like, you know, like what if I'm not a yoga teacher or like, what am I, what if I am? So um, you don't have to be a yoga teacher to, to resonate with this. But the other question I got, it, it just, you have to like yoga enough to care to learn about astrology through doing yoga practices in your own life and implementing this stuff in your own life. Um, and the other major question I've gotten is will I get certified and what does that mean? Right. Um, so you will get a certificate from me that certifies you as a trauma informed Vedic astrologer. Um, through yogi scopes which means you will be certified to um give people readings or give people yoga practices based on their chart give people remedies and and in a trauma informed way so in a way that is not um placing you the astrologer as the expert on their life in in a way that teaches because I think this is really important. It's something I feel strongly about. I actually even did a whole like YouTube video about it. Like this is astrology, not advice that I think um, need this culture needs to pervade in the yoga world still even more than it is in the astrology world, even more than it is in the medical world. Like that, that your clients, folks that see your students, whatever are experts in themselves. And Anyway, so so that will be an element of the training program. And what do you get certified as? You get a certificate from me, but why should that mean anything to you, right? So if you're a yoga teacher, the certificate from me will give you continuing education credit with the Yoga Alliance. If you're not a yoga teacher, you might not care about that. Um, but somebody asked me specifically about other governing bodies, like the Vedic astrology governing bodies. And so one of them is the Council on Vedic astrologers, Council of Vedic Astrologers, and the other ones, I think the American Council of Vedic Astrologers. And I looked into both of those and there was a reason a while back that I decided it wasn't right for me to pursue certification with either of those governing bodies. So I am sticking with the Yoga Alliance and the International Association of Yoga Therapists personally. Um, Now, what does that mean for you? I actually, so I didn't even, I thought about going back and listening to this episode I recorded over two years ago before I brought it up on the podcast, but probably the second episode of the Science of Light, my other podcast, talks about this whole nuance of gurus and lineages and governing bodies and how those things show up for us as Westerners where we care more about governing bodies, whereas in um, sort of like India, they care more about gurus and lineages and there's pros and cons to each, right? Because the governing body can have like politics. It seems like the governing bodies for Vedic astrology are still like super small and they're sort of like, um, like you have to be like an approved sponsor by one of like 10 people to become certified. Anyway, um, the the value I personally see in governing bodies, and I talked about this at length. So that's why I'm like, you might not want to go back and listen to it because it was before I was very succinct with my podcasting. Um, I talked about this at length on the very second episode of the Science of Light, my other podcast. And governing bodies can be a little bit more trauma informed where your entire future doesn't rest in the hands of one person deciding whether they like you or not, um, which is what I kind of see happening with the guru model where it's like one person's in charge and we bow down to that person and everything they say goes like, they're not also a human like everybody else. Anyway, I feel strongly about it, but, um, it's like with the Vedic astrology thing, it's also like a toss up because the governing bodies are like really small and they're not required. And then I see the same argument in the yoga world for yoga Alliance. Like I get it. Like people are like, it's just a money racket. Um, their standards are too low, but, Anyway, you'll get a certificate that is good for continuing education credit for Yoga Alliance. If you're a yoga teacher, that might matter. You'll also get a certificate that certifies you as a Vedic astrologer. So um, if your students happen to ask, which mine never have, and I'm not with any of those Vedic astrology governing bodies, um, you can still say you're a certified Vedic astrologer. You know what I mean? It's like does that matter to you? It's a valid concern. That's why I bring it up. Um, It's something you need to decide if it's right for you. If you want to stick with somebody that's with one of those governing bodies, then by all means, go for it. I'm not. Um, Or you can, you know, go the Yoga Alliance route if you're a yoga teacher. Um, And then the other major question I've gotten or heard reflected in some way from most of the folks I've talked to is like, oh, I have a lot of other like commitments in my life. I'm busy. And that's good that you know that about yourself. Um, Also, this founding round is going to continue to evolve. And um, yeah, so basically it will take me three months to deliver the content to you. That is like what I'm expecting. But the reason for the folks on the wait list getting one-on-one mentorship and the ones of you that weren't on the wait list that sign up, you will still get lifetime access to the group coaching calls is because, um, it might take you longer than that to really learn the stuff. And there's no better time to start than like, you know, the present moment, right? You know, to, to avoid sounding cliche is like, yes, you need to like be real with yourself about your commitments Um, but also if you are ready to become a Vedic astrologer and you know that that's something you want to do sooner than later, I would encourage you to go ahead and sign up because this founding round is like, you're going to get so much more of a personalized experience and a lot more personalized attention than you will in future rounds or other courses. So I hope that answered some of the questions that I've gotten. I also just want to say like, this program will super help you stand in your own power because you're going to be using your own chart as like the basis for a lot of your case studies. We have two projects with um, the, to go along with the lecture content and one of them has to do with your own chart. That's all I'll say about it, but it'll be a deep dive into your own chart. And the other one will have more to do with... Um, Helping you choose a research, uh, area of focus. Like for example, for me early on, I researched a lot about genealogical astrology. I wanted to see like parents charts and their children's charts and compare. And I did a lot of readings, um, where I would look at children's charts, um, of the parent that came and do these like genealogical things or look at people's parents charts if they knew their parents, um, info. So that was like an early on area of focus, for me, you might choose something like, um, I actually already have somebody in the program who I know is going to choose like cancer survivors. Um, you might choose something like addictions or like if you want to, and so that will help you with your marketing doing that project. So anyway, I think the program is going to be really fun. Um, the chance for, uh, one-on-one calls with me has, has gone. I just don't have any availability in my schedule tomorrow. And the doors do close tomorrow, Thursday, May 25th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time. So get in there. I will be as, more responsive than I've ever been via um, either social media message or email, com. if you do have more questions. Um, if you're just, like, dying to get on a one-on-one call, maybe... We can see, but I don't have any time to just say, like, here, I'm available for calls. I had that the past few days. So, yeah, so get in there. Let me know what questions you have. I'm really excited to go on this journey with those of you that have already signed up. And I hope you have a beautiful month of June. And I hope whatever you are trying to birth into the world in the month of June and beyond is beautiful and works out for you, whether it involves coming, becoming a trauma informed Vedic astrologer through the astrology for yogis course now in the future or never. So I just wish you the utmost success. And I thank you for letting me be a part of your journey, no matter how big or small. So until next time, friends, keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars and stay in the light. Take care.